Hey, thanks for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to hear more and help support the show, you can head to patreon.com slash zero brightness or find links to all our socials at zerobrightness.com. Okay, today I thought we would do uh, sort of a return to a thing that this show used to do a long time ago, which is do like a roundup of indie games. But then we accidentally scheduled a bunch of indie games that are all very thematically similar and that work really well as an episode. And I think the connective idea between all of them is the horror of the mundane, if that makes sense. I like, I guess that tracks. I'm going to say that maybe uh, House in the Woods is a little less of that since it just immediately from the jump is clearly like freaky. Well, see, that wasn't my experience with the game. So maybe I have a different take. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I mean, it's basically a bunch of games that are slow and subtle. They take their time. Mm-hmm. They're not obvious. And they're mostly about, I guess, deconstructing or flipping certain very simple everyday ideas on their heads. Um, And so each game kind of takes that idea and does something different with it. And I have to say, we played four games for this episode and kind of slappers only. Uh, A bunch of really, really good games. And three out of four of these games, I think, are like, I was like, damn, this is the best thing I've played in a while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like... Not just like, that was good. Like, it's been a while since I played something that fucking good. Yeah, I think I was a little worried based on like when we did the thing, what, last last Halloween, I guess, last October, where we played a bunch of like indies and stuff like every week. And uh, some of those were like, yeah, not great, not fun. Yeah. Some of them I thought were pretty good. But yeah, this actually... Which this was, we were just like, literally just kind of tossing game titles at a wall. Yeah, for sure. I think we we tossed out like six or seven and then just randomly settled on these. Yeah, and I would say though that, you know, a fair amount of these were things that had been highly recommended that have garnered some kind of buzz. It's like something you had heard about you know so wasn't it wasn't exactly like random yeah well i hadn't really heard anything about um milk that was just one i i don't remember if i found it on itch or on steam wherever it was but i just like the way it looked but i don't love visual novels so i i just kind of put it on like a wish list or something and i bought it eventually on on itch i think but uh yeah yeah I, i just waited a really long time to play it just by virtue of not being super into that format Right. Well, let's start there um, because that's the first one I played for this episode, and I think it's a good place to start. So this game is called Milk Inside a Bag of Milk Inside a Bag of Milk. Uh, It is developed by Nikita Kriyukov. It's like you said, it's kind of a very offbeat horror visual novel. It's super short. It has that super low bit pixel art style. So reminiscent 
of world of horror um if people have seen that or you know just anything that's kind of 8-bit or maybe even less um so you know you've got the big chunky nes style text you've got similar to other visual novels you've got these kind of illustrated scenes that you're looking at with text scrolling beneath them but because of the visual style they're very surreal and suggestive rather than being you know very explicit about what you're looking at uh and it gives the game a really really cool vibe it also has great music Mm -hmm. that's in the same style feels very much like you know kind of 8-bit nes music the way you remember it rather than what it really was because it's still this kind of which is how you want to do it anyway because yeah exactly because the reality is usually when you go back it's not as good as you remember or it's just like hard to engage with because it's so dated i guess yeah and in this case it's like a very layered dark ambient score that wouldn't really have been uh possible (laughs) on an nes but it's still Mm -hmm. simple and it's still effective and yeah basically it's a story about someone who is dealing with mental illness trying to complete an extremely simple task which is buying milk from the store and it turns that task into a surreal horror adventure that also gives you a lot of subtle hints and clues as to what's going on in that person's life outside of this little fantasy that you're playing. And yes, it's very meta. It's very fourth wall breaking. They acknowledge many times that there is a player who is not the character that's, you know, narrating the game because the whole thing is taking place inside their head and featuring like a inner monologue that goes on the whole time. Super fucking cool. Uh, I thought it was such a cool way to show this kind of story or to tackle those kind of ideas. And yeah, I was super blown away personally. Well, I'm asked the question that I always ask. That's even funnier now after today's episode or the episode that came out today that would have come out. I don't know when, uh, Uh are we spoiling? I feel like, I feel like we can't actually talk about this game anymore without kind of giving everything away. So, yeah but i i mean once okay so here's the deal let's say this every game that we're covering today can be beaten in 30 minutes or less let's say that this game in particular you can finish in 15 minutes i mean 20 i I got both endings or two endings at least and like yeah 15 minutes or so yeah so i'm gonna say there's spoilers deal with it um Really, what you should do is if if you're worried about that, you should look up all the games you're covering. And if any of them look good, <laughs> you should play them because they're all worth playing. They're all priced uh, outrageously fairly. I mean, we're talking about a mm-hmm. bunch of games you can get for three, probably like two to five dollars a pop. I think the most expensive game is um, the convenience store, which was like five dollars. Um yeah so i think everything but convenience store has got a good chance of being in one of the previous itch bundles too like the charity bundles so i would look through those yeah um yeah and i think everything the the only reason to talk about them is like is stuff that kind of is spoiler worthy with the exception of maybe house in the woods i think house in the woods is kind of an obvious 
experience from the jump. So yeah, there's not much to spoil there. It's kind of just like a fun vibe to play through. But I would also uh, say most of these games have really simple narratives that get weirder and darker and more psychedelic mm-hmm. as they go on. And I think that like even the marketing for these games kind of quote unquote spoils the game if you actually care about <laughs> so, you know like like um anatomy yeah. i guess uh, maybe i'll just say all the games we're covering so we're covering um milk inside a bag of milk we're covering anatomy by kitty horror show we're covering house in the woods uh which i don't have the creator pulled up right now but i'll um attribute that later and we're covering the convenience store by chilla's art and anatomy i think is relevant to this conversation because like when you start anatomy it's like super dark you can barely see anything it looks like just basic like unity asset whatever game with like a vhs filter on it and as it goes on it gets super crazy and weird and psychedelic and awesome looking and if you look at the like store page for anatomy like on itch what are the screenshots of the cool psychedelic (laughs) awesome looking (laughs) shit so it's kind of like I don't know. Once again, I think I don't think you can spoil these games because they're so short and sure. they're really all about the experience. But yes, if for some reason you you don't want to know what happens before you play these games, just go play all these games. You can play all of them in two hours and you can spend about $10 buying all of them. So it's kind of like a ticket to a movie in that regard. All these games are very short. You should go Mm -hmm. play them. Otherwise, if you want to hear us talk about them, it won't ruin the game. If it's interesting to you, guess what? You should go play the game. They're very, I mean, the thing, the other uniting factor about all these games is they're very short, but they're very dense. They contain a lot of information. They contain a lot of ideas. So like, once again, knowing someone's opinion on it or where the story goes isn't going to ruin it for you. Because I think these games are also all very personal stories, it seems to the people who made them and so i would say it's definitely worth playing and experiencing those stories you know so yeah they all have a really fun aesthetic too like everything's got enough of a reason to at least like actually move around in it for a while even if you don't finish it i guess yeah for sure um definitely but yeah so with with milk inside a bag i guess that's where we were inside a bag of milk milk inside a bag of milk a bag of inside What's a bag of acronym milk? for that let's type it out <laughs> milk inside a bag of milk inside a bag of milk miab miabo miabom miabo miabom <laughs> if you yeah. want to say that woo <laughs> gotty <laughs> um but Nikita, if you're yeah. listening come talk to us uh what were we talking about with that game uh i mean Uh, what what were were you worried about like the actual details well what were you worried about spoiling you were describing like you know the how the game sort of makes a mundane experience into kind of a slowly unraveling horror experience and the thing that i got by the time i finished both of my runs of that game is that it's um and you know i guess i gotta say up front i i don't know anything about the creator right i do know that they have like twenty thousand followers on twitter and follow no one which is usually like (laughs) a pretty big indicator of 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 how someone is 
uh-huh. at least on some level. But like, there's a lot of layers of it's about being on the spectrum. It's about anxiety. It's mm-hmm. definitely about some amount of, I guess, like a like parental abuse, for lack of a better term. Yeah, because once you get the, I guess what I'm assuming is like the proper ending to that game. Yeah, you have the thing where you come home and your mom's just like being a shithead to you the second you walk in the door. Yeah. And then and then the character kind of goes like lane style and just sort of checks out. Right. After you've had this whole like very weird, surreal kind of like, I don't know. Uh, like self-harm's not the right word, but you've kind of like the character has spent this whole time like really not being sure of themselves at best and then being like, I mean, almost like traumatizing to themselves at worst, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot sure. happening there as far as like the emotional and like mental angle of that game. And then yeah. there's the really fun layer of like, there's like three or four different perspectives. Like it's not even just fourth wall breaking. Like they're talking to themselves. They're talking to you. They're talking to someone in the game. They're talking to like another thing. That's just not anywhere at all. Yeah. So it, it makes the dialogue really interesting mm-hmm. while you're trying to navigate all the weird, you know, mental health issues and, and whatnot. Yeah, it's a super well-written game, uh, and it uses very economical language and visuals to describe the scenario of the game and the character of the game. So just from the things you do in the game, like the fact that you're just trying to walk down the street, go to the store and buy some milk. And it's turned into this super dense and difficult adventure where you have to choose the right options or you lose, uh, that combined with a lot of the flavor that's in the dialogue and that's written into the game and the things that you're describing, it gives you a very full and um, very well illustrated picture of who this character is and allows the game to like comment on the things that this character is experiencing. And, you know, you do get the feeling that a lot of it is written from experience. Like, it feels a little too personal and a little too real for it to just be an invention. And if it is, then this person is just like a really fucking good creative writer. (laughs) Otherwise they're just a really fucking good writer. I don't know, but you definitely get the feeling of like, you know, being this person who can't handle the situation that they're in, who can't really deal with social cues or interact with other people in a way that's like easy for them and yeah the way that the game twists that into horror either through the dialogue and sometimes through the visuals like all the people you meet are represented as these weird abstract objects or monsters like no one is just normal you know um and i really like that those stylistic choices that they made really give the game this horrifying otherworldly feel like it really is like a piece of surreal horror but instead of trying to represent you know, the things we usually see in surreal horror, they're just trying to represent this one person's inner mental state and create a whole world that does that, which is really, really cool. And it's not something that people generally like achieve in video games. 
Yeah, I think that might be because it's just a guy making a game. Yeah. Like, if I'm not mistaken, everything in that game is made by them. Like music, right. visuals, like the writing, all that stuff. That's what so, it says, yeah. Yeah, like you you just, you, like it clearly is like a very personal thing. I don't think, I don't think it can have that many moving parts and not be a lived experience. I can see maybe having like a, a close relative or like a partner or something that, you know, suffered from any number of things and you got like a real window into that, but there's just too much happening here in my opinion for that to have been the case. Right. So I think that it's definitely what that person went through. And I, and I think the other thing is that it's all handled very well because it's such a genuine like story and experience that I think, uh, still manages to be somewhat relatable. Even if you know, you're a fairly neurotypical person. Right. Cause you know, it's you know you you could play it and be like oh it's just it's just like what if you made a normal thing spooky but i think it's like if you know you know and otherwise it's just like a really cool aesthetic experience you know right well i think that is kind of what makes this type of horror work and this is something that kind of applies to all the games in this episode is that like when you're trying to do that horror of the mundane thing, like there has to be this solid foundation. Like there has to be a lived experience or, and, or just like really, really good writing and really, really good ideas because otherwise it's either just boring or trite, you know? Cause yeah, it's easy to just be like, Oh, what if, you know, I don't I'm trying to think of an example that isn't just like what if the stapler turned into a monster and tried to eat you (laughs) I was just honestly everything I could think of was like a fucking Stephen King book (laughs) I was like what if your dog was evil yeah what if your car was evil (laughs) I hate hate to do this but it's literally the fucking you have to bleep out this phrase family guy bit Uh (laughs) where he like Stephen King goes in and he's like what have you got for us Stephen and he's like uh it's a lamp monster yeah i mean like that's like it's that but that's you know and like god alan wake did so much for this community you have no idea listener but like you know it's like the <laughs> difference between alan wake and this right like, sure alan wake can be like a perfectly fun serviceable game if that's what you're into but like if you're talking about like actual depth like yeah i mean we're talking about you know like a boulder worth versus like a rock. Yeah, exactly. And I, I will say that, I mean, you know, re family guy that even uh, a stopped <laughs> clock is right twice a day. Right. Cause like, that's exactly the problem with Stephen King and even like Stephen King style horror. And that is the issue that you're going to come up against. And it's like the difference between, and I'm not going to name any fucking games because I honestly don't want to start a conversation about it. I'm trying to actively not start a conversation, but I will say (laughs) the difference between a game that tries to handle mental illness and someone's mental state and does it poorly or does it in a way that's really trite and underwritten. And this, that's the difference. The difference is that the core of it, there is 
a really good idea and or some lived experience there's really good writing and there's a hyper focus so in this game it's not that you go on a surreal horror adventure and then at the end you find out it's oh the real the real horror was the friends we made along the way it's like no (laughs) you you live inside this character's head for 15 minutes you experience everything they experience you literally converse with them like Yes, it's within the confines of the game's very simple and limited mechanics, but the way that it's designed, the way that it's written, it feels very real, it feels engaging, and it feels super unsettling. I mean, this game is exemplary as a piece of horror because of how unsettling it is, and yet there are no traditionally scary things in the game and i'm doing air quotes when i say scary like there's no jump scares there's no stingers you know there's no traditional monsters like all you're seeing is just abstract visuals abstract sounds and writing and the way that it's all put together is super unsettling and those moments where the game starts talking to you because the things that it focuses on are so personal they just feel super unsettling and like skin crawling because it's like yeah they got under your skin they know what you're thinking and they know what you're thinking about while playing this game because it's so focused and that's an achievement and that's not something that you're going to see in another game (laughs) that tries to tackle some of these topics and just doesn't do it very well you know yeah i mean those games will never do what this game did because it's always it's always helmed by like a 40 year old white guy Uh (laughs) uh-huh that that's just like i wonder what it would be like if i was if like i had to suffer uh-huh. And then they just kind of come up with their best approximation based on other very popular works of media. Right. And yeah, it kind of falls flat. Because I guess you really can't just become the like, you know, quarter millionaire a year fucking game dev leader guy without just being like a normal fucking dude. Yeah. So they'll never know. For sure. You like, if you actually suffer, I don't think you get that far in life quote unquote that quote that far in life Um. yeah 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 for sure and you know what i realized it's a lot like and i know this is kind of this is maybe a clumsy analogy and i don't mean this to like be reductive but i think seeing guys like that try to approximate other people's experiences that they have no business doing is like watching actors pretend to play drums Because if you notice this, (laughs) if you notice this and you know what drumming is supposed to look like or you've played a bit of drums or whatever, once you notice this, it is a curse and you will never unnotice it. And I have to say, I think I, I saw recently the worst example of an actor pretending to play drums and looking like they were doing literally anything else. It was like, wow, that is not, this is someone who's never even seen a fucking drum kit before somehow, was on Umbrella Academy. The latest season of that show has a scene Mm. where there's like a weird subplot about one of the characters having like a Berlin late 70s, like early 80s punk phase, and they play drums in a band and they're miming along to a drummer just playing the most simple straight ahead four on the floor beat and somehow the thing that they're doing with their body is just like (laughs) absurd it's like 
I don't know when you'd need to move your body like that, but it's definitely not when you are sitting at a drum kit. Like, that's ridiculous. So anyway, that that's what I think about when I yeah. when when this topic comes up. That it's just like the people who know know that this is an absurd, inaccurate, you know facsimile of the thing that they've experienced and it's so much different than seeing a movie like i mean you know i know this is a movie you could pick apart and say terrible things about for weeks and weeks but at least in scott pilgrim the actors did actually learn their instruments and there's like videos of them like taking lessons and learning how to play and so when you see them play they not only do they play they play exactly like a scrappy garage rock band and the drummer because she's really playing those drums is like perfect it's so perfect and it's like yes that is such a big difference that is worlds away from that abomination that's in umbrella academy it's so I think my vote for like worst uh, on-screen drumming i think goes to um that part in empire records where the store manager is like playing his drones in his like loft office or whatever. Uh And I I admit I haven't seen that movie like recently. It's been some years, but I always remember being like, damn, they didn't even try to make this look like he's actually playing. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, one thing I've noticed on YouTube is that people like to make these compilations of like, oh, uh, animators don't know how to animate drums. They're like, drums are always animated incorrectly. Yeah, and I'm like, who cares? It's a cartoon. It's a fucking cartoon, man. Who gives a shit? And sometimes with live action stuff, I feel the same way. Like um, uh, that movie Airheads, you know? Where it's like yeah. Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi, and Adam Sandler, like a band. Like, that's literally just a live action cartoon. So, like, do they look dumb <laughs> yeah. when they're playing? Yeah, of course. But, like, the whole the, the whole point of the movie is that they're literally stupid. They're called mm-hmm. the Lone Rangers, and everyone makes fun of them, like, for the whole movie. And none of them get that it's, like, a terrible band name because you can't have multiple Lone Rangers. At that point, you're not alone. Uh, <laughs> so, it's, like, that's, like, a thing where it's, like, I don't care. But then, yeah. yeah, like, if you see something where it's supposed to be, like, a musical performance and it looks like they're just like doing some weird like pilates routine it's like bro you fucked up (laughs) yeah well you know what if you if you want to feel a little less crazy when you see stuff like that i would really recommend going to the uh drum subreddit Uh just like and just scrolling through the photos for a little bit until you hit the like what am i doing wrong post where it's like I, like I don't it's like I, ne- I can never figure out how you get your toms that far apart uh-huh. like I feel like it's literally <laughs> impossible based on the hardware you're given to do that but people somehow manage to stick them things like I think one time I saw a kit where it had it was a thing where it was two arms that go into the bass drum instead of one that comes out of it oh, and sure. what they did was they put this they put the side of the arm that goes into the tom into the kick drum so then the the pole that the tom would attach to was like the foot and a half long one instead uh, of the like six inch long one. Sure. And they like had them boys fucking cattywampus, man. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. So, you know, there, there are real people in real life that have been like, I've been playing for three years. And like that's their shit is set up worse than like any cartoon you've ever seen Super in your life. Super so. jacked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, make, I guess that makes sense. Although like when I got a drum kit in high school, I mean, 
it came with a box. <laughs> I just looked at the box and I set it up like the picture <laughs> on the box. Yeah, I mean, it was a very true. cheap. It was like an eighty dollar new drum kit or some shit. Yeah, and like, sure. but it had a picture on the box, and I set it up like the picture, yeah. and I put it in my headphones, and was like, if I figure out how to play uh, all the songs on Closer by Joy Division, I'll be pretty good at drums, and that was almost true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and anyway, all this is to say that milk inside a bag, inside a bag, a milk bag is a very authentic game. And it's, uh, it feels very weird and unsettling and bad in a good way. And I loved it. And I think Mm -hmm. everyone should play it unless you're doing really bad mentally. It might, eh, I mean, you might feel seen or you might feel just worse, but it's great yeah it's fucking great well before we get away from it i do want to point out at least back to the uh discussion about tropes and horror and how the game doesn't really have them it does have the like the it never resolves loop Mm -hmm. like it kind of ends and you're like oh it's like this forever huh and you know sometimes that's really hokey and sometimes it fits but like here it's like the way the game starts and then the way the game ends if you get the proper ending yeah i like it's a good use of that particular trope i think right yeah like it is a mundane day and then tomorrow is probably going to be literally exactly the same yeah and that kind of that yeah. kind of adds to you know partially the relatability of it also like how horrifying that would be etc so yeah just wanted to put that out there i agree it's like with this kind of story the way it's presented there's no other way they could have ended it and once again kept that feeling of authenticity and kept that feeling of okay this is real you know or this is based on a real feeling or a real experience or something and yeah it's it's really really well done i didn't expect anything going in and was super blown away. So, um, and you know, that's something that I would say about most of these games. So let's, uh, let's, uh, dash a little bit of the spice of life on this episode, which is of course variety and talk about a game that I thought was just kind of like, okay, personally, which Mm -hmm. was house in the woods. Uh, what did you think of this game? Uh, yeah, I guess it's better you start with me. It sounds like maybe you just didn't have <laughs> maybe as decent of a time as I had. Um, if I had to give someone like a one sentence sales pitch, I would say that it's a like a PS1 demo disc game jam game based on the Bluebird Blair Witch game. Um, and it, it tells you... Uh, Tells you on like the itch page, and I think it might actually say in the game itself when you start it up that it's uh, basically a Blair Witch like clone. Like the whole thing is just like we just made a game that's sort of like the Blair Witch movie. So at least in my experience with it is you drop in, you're in the woods, and you can just start going. And of course, they're going to kind of loop, sort of. Uh, what I did was I followed the sound, and then I just found the titular house and you can imagine walking through the house is, you know, it's, it's a creepy house. And then you're like, well, I checked all the rooms, nothing's happened. And then when you turn around, like there's a new door or a door is open now or, you know, whatever it is. And 
you kind of do that until you get to the the climax of the game. Yeah. Which is, you know, all of its probably stuff you've seen before, but it's, you know, it's got a decent like VHS like aesthetic. Um, right. Maybe not as aggressive as the VHS aesthetic in a uh, in convenience store, but a little bit, you know, like it has a good visual flair to it that I wish had more behind it and i don't mean more as in like a longer game i just kind of mean like the the way all these other games have a more interesting story or a personal story or like a really weird kind of loop or mechanic or whatever yeah i wish there was something there because this is kind of you're just going you're going it's like a linear it's like a corridor shooter but for a walking simulator like you are in essence just going down a hallway until you get to like the ultimate spook or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And that's how I feel. I mean, the game, it looks great. It looks really cool. It's got the PS one aesthetic, like you said, but it's also got really nice environments and animation. Like there's really good looking trees. Yeah. And so if you're going to be running around the woods, you need those good looking trees and some nice flashlight. It's lighting. definitely like, it's definitely like a Dreamcast, like an early Dreamcast game, but with like a VHS filter over it. Yeah, exactly. it's definitely past like PS1 vibes, but it's not quite like that. It's, it's as detailed, jaggy so. as a PS1 game, though. Like they have that yeah. that look to it. But yeah, the animation's really nice. Everything looks really nice. Um, yeah, basically you run around in the woods. You're following uh, sounds. Uh, you meet spooky little guys. They they spook you. You go to a house. Mm. You get spooked by more guys. Oh, did you get spooked by something in the woods? Because I didn't run into anything. Oh yeah, there's guys in front of all the like stones, the like rune stones you find. Hmm. Yeah. I, man, I guess I missed that. I just kind of Well, that's kind of my problem with the game. So yeah, like maybe that's not the most inspiring description, but it is cool. And the <laughs> you know, like the things you find are cool, the whole aesthetic of the game is great. Yeah. It's literally like a dollar, I think, or two, yeah. maybe. It was it says it was made for one of the haunted PS1 compilations mm, okay. yeah i didn't know it actually was yeah and they maybe just separate it out and you can buy it for a dollar or zero dollars or whatever it is but uh i think the problem with this game is that it does feel really aimless um i did end up playing it for way longer than i intended because the first time i turned it on i just couldn't find like the last thing i needed to find to get into the house and when i restarted the game i was able to like blast through it so it's really weird. I don't know if that was a technical thing or a bug or whatever, but as I was just kind of running around the woods, I was like, this feels really aimless. And I don't know if it's because I couldn't really get with the positional audio or something was wrong with my mm. copy or whatever. But like, yeah. I was just like, you know, I love a good lost in the woods simulator. I really like those parts of the Bloober team Blair witch game, but there is kind of like a threshold you hit. Where it's like, all right, yeah. you, you need to just tell me where to go now. Because, <laughs> like, the the initial thrill of feeling lost in the woods is cool when you're like, oh, I'm scared. I'm lost in the woods. And then once you're just mm -hmm. kind of wandering around, then you're just like, I'm tired of my feet hurt. And I guess that's sort of how I felt playing this game. And I think it leads up to a payoff that is not really worth it. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, how much can you... You can't really go in on this game. It's like... A game that's either free or almost free. It was made as part of a game jam. They say on the page, you know, the creator is like, I didn't spend much time on this because, you know, it's part of a game jam. Like, that's how it is. And 
I think it's it's more just like it's a technically impressive game. It's cool that somebody made like a little simple lo-fi um, Blair Witch game. Uh, it, it didn't blow my mind, but I think it's if you would like to run around in the woods and be a little spooked, it's definitely worth um, it's free. <laughs> you can name okay. your own your name your own price yeah. okay yeah I, usually when it's one of those i always give them like two or three bucks at minimum so yeah, yeah. there you go yeah like, i got a it, suggested dono of two and i i pretended like i was at the punk show and gave him two bucks so mm-hmm. yeah uh, like it's like you're with a, something like this you're either gonna get the like you go in the basement and they're standing in the corner and then it just like the audio gets really loud and everything cuts off or you're gonna get uh, what happens in this game, which is uh, it's there's just some kind of cult thing. There is some interdimensional something uh, pentagrams on the floor. Dead lady, you know, yeah, presumably cool. the person you were there with, I guess it's it's fine. It's kind of like if you've ever seen the movie The Void, if you took out the cool parts of that and just uh-huh. the part where there's just a bunch of people like coming to get you. Yeah, and they're for all in sure. robes. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's sort yeah. of it's sort of if the Blair Witch was the Void, but only twelve minutes long and a PS right. one and one and a half game. You know, <laughs> it's fun. You know, I would say put it on a list of really short games to play for like Halloween season. You know, oh, definitely, it's got fall vibes. Yeah, I mean, I think if there's a criticism of it, it's sort of that a great horror short and it doesn't matter matter if it's a story or a movie or a game a great horror short pivots around a a really unique and powerful central idea that's why a lot of people self-included love short form horror so much because it's like you just get this one awesome idea and the whole thing moves around that and when it's over because it's so fast you just keep thinking about that idea i don't really think Mm. this game has one of those it's just like a super well executed yeah. take on a trope or set of tropes or ideas that you're already familiar with that everybody knows you know lost in the woods blair witch and yeah it's it's done really well though it's totally worth playing and it's really cool and just based on how well executed this is i'm curious to see what else uh this developer does and what else they have coming down the pipe as they say well, let's talk about a game that is sort of similar in some ways but is a much more fleshed out and finished deal which is anatomy by kitty horror show which like what the fuck man this game has been out for so long i've known about it for so long the fact that i just played it yesterday or whatever is so (laughs) dumb i'm so fucking dumb fuck me because holy shit this game rocks yeah, I'm going to say that, like, Milk was my... So I played Milk second. At that point, I was like, I think this is probably going to be, like, my top from the four. But then when I finished Anatomy, I was like, no, Anatomy is definitely uh, the top one for me. Like, by yeah. the end, at least. Like, once I once I figured it out and I went all the way through it, I was like, okay, yeah. And, like, you... Yeah. No, it's definitely... It's definitely number one. My order yeah. is... Anatomy Milk, uh, Convenience Store, and then House in the Woods. Not to yeah. like do the thing where it's like, well, it got number four, so it's dog shit, but like it, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> you would. I think by the end of this, everyone will be able to figure out that that was at least my personal. Yeah. And I would sequence. I would kind of agree with that. I might put um, convenience store a little higher uh, for fucking obvious reasons. Yeah, like, kind of. Yeah, it's a strong J horror thing. But yeah, you have more of a horse in that race than I ever have. It's so. just J horror. If you give me J horror, I'm just like, yeah, cool, <laughs> neat, yeah, more, 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 more. Um, but I mean, J horror, where you get to kill rats with a spray can that mm, has a cute mouse on it. So mm. you know. The best kind. Um, but so with Anatomy by Kitty Horror Show. Kitty Horror Show is a dev that's been around for a while. They have generated a lot of buzz um, because I think they were kind of doing the, in terms of their business model, they were kind of doing the puppet combo thing mm-hmm. before puppet combo, like making a lot of short compact games you know getting people to either buy the games to support them on patreon and just kind of being a super productive game dev and you know maybe in terms of runtime or major release they're not working up to some big thing like yeah maybe eventually they'll get a longer form like work or something but that's not really what's important about their work what's important is that they're just giving you all these cool little games full of cool ideas and i had tried some of their stuff that's a little more like text adventure so playing this game which is definitely a full game you know once again it takes like 30 ish minutes to beat um and it's definitely just like a classic walking sim where you basically just walk around and click on things but holy shit the writing the sound design the visuals once it really gets going are Mm -hmm. like so insanely good this is maybe my favorite sound design i've ever experienced in a game and i think that the other thing about it is the economy is so refreshing because like the only other game that i think gave me some of these same vibes and got under my skin like this game did uh was i'm scared which is a game that i reviewed really early on in this show and i'm scared is like a really fascinating game it's a game that i'm fascinated by that is also frequently not at all fun to play like it's such an (laughs) off-putting game it's way too long it's full of ideas and they're definitely not all good so sitting down to play this game it's like a somewhat similar experience in certain ways but it boils it down to just the essence and just the parts that you actually want to see and it is like fucking mind-blowing i love this game so much one of the coolest things about this game that I didn't really piece together until like uh, either late in the second playthrough or early in the third was that like at first I thought it was really goofy how you walked really slow. But when you ran, you ran like Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh-huh. <laughs> like it was so I was like, wow, this really is a unity game, huh? And then it like it once things started getting really distorted it clicked for me that it has that vhs effect on it and yeah and you know you're picking up tapes and you're listening to stuff and the whole point is that like when you sprint it's like you're fast forwarding a tape yeah and that's why it's so goddamn fast and like maybe that's actually not the intent but it worked like that my br- I just like once it clicked, I was like, oh, damn, it is like I'm in a VHS tape. I'm in the tape. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess, you know, I guess the thing that really made it click was like the very end of the game. Right. And I guess big spoiler for kind of how the game works is that you 
you boot up the game, you play it, and you know when you first play it, it's very much a walking sim. Yeah, you're just in a house. You the screen tells you where to go to find a tape. You go there to find a tape. You listen to the tape, which is a really interesting sort of like thesis on how the like a house, a traditional home is analogous to the human body and how each room is like a different part and you know yada yada. Like it's really it's interesting, but nothing really happens. Yeah. And so you know, it just ends. You close it, and you're like, huh, and. I got lucky because when I closed it, it pulled up the itch launcher, which had the game page pulled up and I saw the screenshots, which were all (laughs) like cuckoo bananas. And I was like, huh, okay. So I turned it back on. And I think by the time you get the second tape, like you, the second tape's not in the same place. And then it's a little garbled. And I was like, okay, I get it. And so what you're expected to do is boot the game up after it ends and you get a more fucked up version of the last. And then once you beat it, every time you boot it up, it's just at the ending. It's just totally ending. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I tested it for about 20 or 30 minutes real time, I think just to see if that's really what it does. And as far as I know, it just, I'm sure if you like completely wipe it and reinstall it, you can restart it. But it's really interesting to me that once you've beaten it, barring that, it will just continue to pull up that. um, Yeah. That like ending frame. Yeah. So beyond like aesthetics, some themes and the sound design, uh, the big thing that made me think of that other game I mentioned, I'm scared, was that there is a meta element to this game and the way it's structured. And it's that you're meant to replay the game. I think it's like four or five times. And these are very short sessions. And at the end of each one, the game just crashes. Like it just crashes out to Mm -hmm. zero. And then you open it up again and it's a different game. Each time it's different. And that's something that I'm scared did a lot. And that game was way crazier. Like it would write notes onto your desktop and do all this shit. But Mm -hmm. like in this game, it's so simple, but it's so, so, so effective. And the big reason is that it starts off so boring. Like this is where it came up with the theme of this episode or the connective theme that I think, you know, actually ties all these games together. I was thinking about how like that first play of this game, you're almost like, is this it? Cause you literally just walk around a blank low lit house grabbing cassette tapes and each one you put in a player and it plays a little piece of this essay that like you said compares a house to the human body and the second time even you see like okay it's a little more fucked up but it's still pretty normal yeah and to be clear it's like not even that fucked up it's just like the tapes are getting a little more each tape you find is a little more distorted and like maybe something like a door doesn't open right or whatever. Nothing yeah. too crazy, but then yeah, like it it kind of picks up exponentially with each like reboot of the game. Yeah. And it's obviously by the third time it's super unsubtle and glitched and fucked up, but like I love that the first few times there are subtle things. Like the first play you're like, "Huh, some of this stuff on the walls is weird." And in the second play it's like okay, this stuff on the walls is like really weird. And then by the third one, it's like, I'm in hell. Okay. So I I forgot about the, like all the paintings and stuff and how they're all like who would, what psychopath would have this shit up in their home? Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially when you go to the bedroom and it's all like Mm -hmm. mouth pieces and it's like, ew, what the fuck? It's so cool. But yeah, like where it kind of gets to is you end up in this crazy psychedelic and hellish 
version of the house that's um, filled with weird objects that emit strange noises. Um, the sound design is totally different. Like there's a really loud white noise and certain things will just like scream at you and weird things will happen. Mm-hmm. And it's really fucking cool because even during these parts, uh, you know, for some of them, it's like the kind of narration part of it goes away or like the more traditional, like written part of it goes away and you're just sort of experiencing this game. Yeah. But there's also still a story and it kind of ultimately finds its way back to no, there being like a traditionally narrated story and it makes those moments really striking. Like my favorite part of the second play is when you're listening to one of those shitty garbled tapes and then it's suddenly like very clear and legible. And it says like, the scariest shit you ever heard in your life (laughs) and it's like what the fuck what is this who made this this is insane so the way it ramps is i what i'm assuming happens is by the time you hit that really fucked up version of the house where it's more like a couple of objects from from inside the house are now just in this weird like what if you made jabu jabu's belly from ocarina of time like fucked up uh-huh. Is that like the house is uh, it is it is the living organism that the like the dude on the tape is suggesting it is and you're now inside of it because it's eaten you or whatever it's done and you I think you're made to think that that's sort of the 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 obvious apex because like you said about the beginning and how boring it is like how boring it is at the start is really emblematic of just like kind of the itch horror game experience. Like there's so many of them. There's you, you might never play all of them, even if you made it your actual full-time job. And you know, some of them are really great like this and some of them are mid and some of them are just like poo poo trash. You know, you never know what you're going to get. And so when you start it and it's just that you're like, I guess that's just all this is, you know, whatever. But, you know, lucky me, I saw the thumbnails and I was like, hold on. And I, you know, I got introduced to that loop, which was really interesting. So it was, you know, you, I got subverted a little bit, which was fun. And then you hit, you know, the, the Oregon house part and you're like, oh, okay, this is my, uh, lady dead in a pentagram in the basement scene. Uh, this is the, I hit it. I hit the, you know, the top of this peak. And then you get the part where, I guess you are expected to know or believe that you that you were that you the player were watching a videotape the whole time because at that mm-hmm. point the screen is you have fallen over on the ground and you can just see a tape player propped up against like the basement wall and that's when you get like the final unique monologue that's right. like crystal clear and it's like it's like the most poetic version of like didn't you know you were always just gonna like suffer and die in the worst possible way piss head <laughs> yeah it's, it's great like that and that's like that's the true the true climax and so you kind of just gotten subverted the entire time right with a really interesting like like a really fun like oh this actually sounds like this person maybe actually wrote like a paper for a college course on this yeah. or something yeah like what you think the game is like about or what it's going to give you kind of changes just a little bit you know each time you play through it until you're stuck in the loop of no you're just dead in the basement looking at a tape player right 
It's really cool. It's really effective. Yeah, it's effective as a piece of meta subversion of just what you expect out of like a, you know, simple itch walking sim. It also subverts itself within itself where, yeah, as you're playing it, your expectations change and are just continually subverted right up until the ending, which is very weird and meta and cool. And I mean, I think it's also written really, really beautifully and in a way that suggests that there's a lot of layers to it and there's a lot of depth to it like you know what the game could really be about or be a metaphor for is kind of up to the player's interpretation but even just while i was playing it i got a distinct feeling of kind of what i think it's about but i was like man it could be about anything like it could be about overdevelopment like it could literally be about you know how many just like empty abandoned houses there are in america because there's just this constant drive to make more cheap disposable shit even something as huge and expensive as like a family home but it also really feels like it's about like trauma and abuse like it feels like you Mm -hmm. know someone sort of confronting the things that happened to them in a childhood house, but it's done in a really subtle way where that's not, you know, it's not um, exploitative or shitty or it's not like, look at this. It's just like, like if you've ever gone back to a house that you lived in when you were growing up and a bunch of bad shit happened to you there, you don't feel good and you don't feel (laughs) like the place is good. You feel that the place is evil and I don't know, like this game captures that feeling so well that that's kind of what I interpreted it as being about. I was like, this is definitely what it's about. But then I was like, well, actually, it could be about a bunch of different shit because it's just it's really dense and it's really well written. So the player can interpret it however they want, really. Yeah. And on that, it's also like you could just take it at face that it's just like uh, spooky. House creepy. Yeah. House alive. House creepy. Like it's written so well that it's like you can pull this apart a whole lot of ways if you want to, or you can just take it at phase and it's still really good. Right. Which is, you know, obviously an achievement. Also, have you ever gone back to a house you've lived in that like fits that whole, you know, description you gave, but then like you actually see the people that live there now Mm -hmm. and like you're looking at how maybe the house is a little different and how, there's just a whole new family there or whatever. And you just, you have no idea what it's like in there for them. Maybe like, or maybe they just look like they're having the time of their lives. And you're just like, that's, you know, it's (laughs) you're like, that is not what that was for me. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's like, man, that's such a weird feeling or such a weird thing to try to capture within a fucking video game. And somehow I think this does. Mm -hmm. I think this does capture that that feeling really well which is just bonkers you know yeah and i guess to say it again it's like you don't know where it's headed there Mm -hmm. like you just kind of you start off with that like sort of drab for lack of a better term uh you know monologue about right each part of the house being a different part of the body and you're like yeah sure okay that's cute and fun whatever and you don't really know that by the end of it it's you know gonna be like no you don't understand how much this is a real entity yeah and how much it makes a case for that too like it really it really is just like no you need to think about this brother the whole idea of the house being alive is something that it takes 
literally and metaphorically and it goes to really interesting places with it by like personifying the house more and more and putting you into increasingly bizarre and surreal situations the peak of it being just in a total hell world that's super amazing yeah. and and cool and yeah i mean that it's just it's such an interesting story and i think it's something that just everyone should play and experience for themselves because it's so cool and it gives you so much to think about and chew on and yeah, it, it just works on so many different levels. Like, I know for a fact that every YouTube essay about this starts with, like, in 1999, Mark C. Danielewski released his uh, landmark novel, House of Leaves. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's a The House is Dreaming story. Okay. But also, it works on all these other levels and it rocks. Um, so people should play it. Counterpoint. Not, not necessarily counterpoint, I guess, just to like. It, they're 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 married it also doesn't really personify the house in some ways right like you're also presented with the idea that like the house is just like indifferent it's not yeah it's not evil or malicious or a thing with a, a mind that just is a thing but it's yeah. a thing that was created and and left behind yeah so it's yeah there's just if I had to tell you to play any game from this list, if you only played one, it would be this one, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just like, this it's a must is, play. This game is the real layers of fears. This is it. <laughs> not, not that other one. Not Lay that foo oh, lame God. shit. That is so cursed. Layers of fears. <laughs> is is that really what it's called? Yeah, but they didn't use Z. They should use Z's. And they're, I don't know, they could have put a three for an E somewhere. They could have done so many things. Like, if you're going to go with a name that goddamn, just like, just in the stratosphere, how stupid it is. Like, at least, like, have fun with it. At least make it, like, layers of fears with the three for the E colon, the, the horrifyingness, you know, dash origins. I think the character they really should have used is Control Z. Just undo. Don't make a new Layers of Fear. <laughs> that series is garbage. I can't believe they're still trying to make Layers of Fear happen. Like, I mean, do you think it's because like the medium just didn't like blow up the way they thought it would? So they're like, well, we'll just make another one of these since all the YouTubers will buy it and no one will oh. be mad at us or whatever. Oh, I mean, it, business like, wise, no one gets mad at them for Layers of Fear. Layers of Fear sucks, and like no one's ever had anything to say about that. But like, it's fine. They, it's I, good. They kind of yeah. tried with the medium, and everyone's just like, "It's doo doo trash, and you shouldn't play it." Yeah, I mean, I all I think right, business right. wise, it's a genius move because like they identified exactly the type of gamer who was like, "Fuck you for the medium," and they're like, "Well, we know that guy will love layers of fears," <laughs> and they're right, and that's probably as long as they don't release a super buggy unfinished product which you know coin yeah. coin flip on that they might but as long as they don't do that all those guys will be like a triumph of horror you know so I like, mean, the unfortunate yeah. reality is that like there's a lot of groups that just seem to hate that game which is just so so weird i don't know it's yeah. weird I don't know. You've got those dudes and then you've got the people you would think are like on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. But they're like, this game poorly handles everything. And then they talk about how good Silent Hill is. Yeah. 
And I'm like, dog, I you might have missed a one to 100 things about the Silent Hill <laughs> franchise if you ended up at this point. Yeah, well, but, uh, none of my conversations with those people went well. So conveniently, we did a whole episode on it um, that you can go listen to. Hey. Uh, <laughs> and it's pretty, pretty dang good. So we don't need to talk about it anymore now. Um, and I would like to stop. So we'll never talk about the medium ever again. Uh, yeah, I mean, I might just be on the like, never talk about Silent Hill again train, man. I'm so sick of it. I mean, we did everything. What else is there left to do for the franchise anyway? There's uh, a game I actually like and I have a decent framework to talk about it within, which is Shattered Memories, but... I thought you did. Nope, never did. I don't know. Never been. Oh, okay. Wow. And so... I would play Shattered Memories. I've never played it. Yeah, and that guy, the guy who made it, Sam Barlow, um, he's been doing interesting stuff for years since. Like, he did that game, Her Story, and he just put out a new game um, that I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called, like, Immortal, I want to say, or Immortality. Mm. And uh, that game is supposedly just, like, a banger, once-in-a-generation classic. And so mm. I thought it would be really interesting to play Shattered Memories and that game and sort ah. of compare contrast um the ways in which he's kind of refined this whole idea because like his whole thing is these narrative adventure games that are kind of loosely based on old point and click um and even old real-time uh adventure games but like the mm-hmm. ones that use like actual filmed footage of people because that's what his games yeah. do. But he's taken it in a really interesting and unique direction and he's really refined his process to the point where he put out this new game and a lot of outlets and people who I trust are just like, this is the best game ever. And it's like, okay. I mean, I think that's interesting because like, you know, Shattered Memories is kind of like the humble origin of his whole style. And I think it's a really good game. I think he had a really interesting take on how to do a Silent Hill. But that's how I want to talk about Silent Hill now. Because otherwise, just say, yeah. thinking about Silent Hill bores me to fucking tears at this point. I'm so sick of people. Mm-hmm. I've hit the Neon Genesis Evangelion point where it's like, even yeah. though it's so relevant to so many things we talk about, and I'm going to have to keep talking about it, I never want to hear another person talk about it again in my life. And if I could achieve that, it would be such a beautiful thing. Sure. I feel that. Well, okay, so the last game that we played is The Convenience Store. It's by a dev named Chilla's Art. Uh, So, interesting dev. They kind of seem to also be on that kitty horror show puppet combo wavelength of just making a lot of games. They're kind of all in the same range technologically, just iterating on the same ideas and concepts. And the platform that they've chosen, which is kind of interesting, is Steam. So they're just pumping these games on the Steam and creating a really big following there, um, which is definitely interesting because you would more expect it to be like Itch or Patreon or something like that. But no, dude, they're rocking on on Steam. I mean, I'm sure they're also on Patreon. I actually I think I, um, I, I know for are. some reason I've encountered a lot of that with like eastern developers yeah yeah like there's there's a lot of like you know lower priced indie dev like japanese stuff i guess yeah but so they're rocking on steam and they've created a lot of buzz and i've been meaning to check it out for a while and i finally did and i played the convenience store and i loved it because so the convenience store it is definitely a j-horror game it's both 
steeped in the tradition of PS2 games, but also modern walking sims, because technically speaking, it is a first-person horror adventure game, something that we would call a walking sim. But the Mm PS2 influence is really, really interesting, because on the one hand, you've got the graphics. The graphics definitely look like once again, what you remember a PS2 game looking like rather than what they actually look I'd say an early PS2 game for, for me. Yeah, but it's still a little too clean and hi-fi, really. Well, did you... Okay, did you play it with the VHS filter on or did you turn it off? Yeah, so it's got a VHS okay. filter, like all the puppet combo stuff, but it's it's a really well-done VHS filter. Yeah, it rocks. Yeah. I like turned it off for a second. I was like, no, this game might suck if I turn this filter off. Yeah, but it's also not the kind of one that makes your eyes cross if you look at it for too long. So like, mm-hmm. you know, points, big points. Um, and so it's it's got that look and feel to it, like something that you might find on itch now. But the influence of PS2 games is essentially in the fact that the game is super slow. It's super obtuse. And it really is committed to going all in on confusing the player, confounding the player, not making anything easy for you. And that's specifically what I love about this game. And that's why I think in terms of that horror of the mundane idea, I don't think any game captures it as well as the convenience store. Because like the structure of the game is that you literally get up you put on clothes, you eat, and then you go to your job at a convenience store. And then you have to do it for three or four nights throughout the game. And like mm-hmm. the game is so obsessed with the minutiae of your routine. It's obsessed with like the minutiae of working in a place like a convenience store. Like, for example, you have to punch in every time you get to the store. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it won't do anything. Like it literally won't start the like next phase at all unless yeah. you clock in. Which you can do like your te- your job, and then I think this is like one of the most fun bits is you can do your job without clocking in. Yeah, it'll let you just walk in the store and take up the trash or stock the shelves, but it w- before you clock in, but it won't let you. It won't get the like the story parts rolling until you've clocked in. Yeah, which is like a super fun little uh, real life Easter egg, I guess, thrown in there. Yeah, for sure. And the way that the convenience store itself is set up is really interesting because like it makes you spend a lot of time in there. Like there's a lot of dead Mm -hmm. space and downtime in this game. And because of the tasks it makes you do and the amount of time you spend in there, you start noticing things about the store that you would notice if it was actually your job like you notice that there's this like shitty music playing all the time like Mm -hmm. you notice or you find the quickest routes to go between different places or like you get that like sad pavlovian trigger response when you hear the ding of like the doors opening because you're like oh a customer's here i have to run back in Unless a customer isn't there. Right, exactly. And so I love the way that it instills all of that in you. And then, yeah, as you just suggested, it then twists that to create horror. So, like, once you're deep into your work routine, when you go and you find that a customer isn't there, you're like, oh, shit, I don't know what to do. And then your work brain kicks in. You're like, let me go check the security system. And you see a fucking ghost. And, like... That one that, got me. That, that, that jump scare oh, got me. Dude. And like, it's funny because you see the ghost 
for like four seconds first and i'm like oh a ghost that fits and then i still fell for the jump scare so shouts out to well and it's because the game is incredibly well set up so that like that jump scare isn't just a single solo jump scare which is something that was a problem in ps2 games like ps2 games would just throw one big one in there to put in the trailer and the rest of the game would be boring as shit shout out to kuon super boring fucking game (laughs) Um, uh, but like in this game they actually do that scare multiple times and each time it's building up an intensity towards the big one that makes you want to pee yourself and it's like yes the way the way they make you hate your dog god damn (laughs) I hated that motherfucker. Yeah, you have a super annoying coworker, and it's like you have super annoying customers. It's, I, I'm just if you've ever worked retail, and especially retail yeah. in a little store, there's so many great moments. Like there's on like night two or three, there's like an old lady who comes in both nights and like beelines for the bathroom, and the feeling of real life dread I got. Like, oh damn, dude, <laughs> she is about to fucking tear it up. She's about to kick. <laughs> kick flip on that fucking toilet and just like absolutely submit uh that motherfucker i was just like it was so funny that i was like this game has successfully put me in Mm -hmm. like work mode and made me feel like i'm working and the fact that it's able to do that is impressive but then also the fact that it's able to twist it into a legitimately weird creepy unnerving and scary horror story is wild like this game is just so fucking good you know yeah it's like a cozier j-horror version of um visage i guess because like visage when i played it like actually like i was not chill dude that fucking that game at least got me for like the two and a half hours i played it like i was white knuckling the whole time yeah but this is at least this is at least like and probably i guess by design because it's supposed to be a mundane routine that you get familiar with like it's you a lot of it's slow build but you spend a lot of that time not really worried about that you're like you're interested like i was like clearly this whatever's back behind this uh this caution tape is something to see i want to know what's back there yeah you know like there's you know when you're doing you're doing that while you're killing rats so you know like there's a there's a good fun push and pull there to kind of keep you like sort of wondering when it's gonna go real real spooky right and then also being like man this is this is exactly what this is like yeah let you give the expired food to a a guy yeah presumably homeless man outside the store that's cool yeah, I don't want to start rattling off all the like cool like nods to boring real life shit or in that case a good gesture real life shit you know whatever yeah but just like the the like fun loop of you have to leave like what probably would otherwise look like a really idyllic tiny uh, suburb I guess in Japan I don't you know I don't know how how that stuff's kind of worded or phrased there, but you know, right. you're in a pretty enclosed, like embanked little town cross. You cross the bridge cause you cross a bridge and then you go to a big empty lot and you can't really see any further than just like the really like lights blaring, uh, convenience store. Right. 
And it's also after night one that like night one, you get guided there pretty much like there's street lights that are really bright. You can you can generally see where you're going even without the flashlight. But after that night, it's just fucking dark. And it's like, uh, I don't know if you had this, you know, when you were younger and in the whatever, you know, age it stopped for you. But I'd say up until like my mid to late 20s, I had a lot of dreams where I would be in a place that had lights, but they didn't like and they were on, but they did not do anything. And the sure. like fear in that dream or nightmare was that like nothing like, you know, the lights are on, but I can't see anything. I'm yeah. in a place I don't know. And it's I can't see, but I should be able to see. Right. And, you know, I like haven't had those in the last few years, but it's like playing this game. I was like, damn, wow, I'm I'm right back there. Like you can look up and see all the street lights lit, but they do not project light. Yeah. And so you kind of have to memorize the path or just sort of like stumble your way through it until you get there because the flashlight's kind of useless. Yeah. Well, and I, and I feel like that's a good description overall of the game's horror, which is that it grounds itself so much in reality. It grounds itself so much in the mundane that any change or deviation is unnerving and it kind of opens the door to things yeah. being really, really scary. And that's what's brilliant about this game like this game is subtle a lot of the scary moments are really fast and short like there's a series of vhs tapes that are all creepy but they're all literally like five seconds long um Mm -hmm. and you know it's just like those things are effective because it's grounded so much in reality and it's grounded in just the drudgery of working a job and doing the same thing day after day and yeah it's something that's like relatable to everyone and it's done really well and yeah that's definitely something that is i think relatively unique to j-horror the way in which it kind of embraces languid slow moving stories and then subverts the pace in order to create horror and i was super super impressed with how well this game did that and yeah i mean just like even trying to do something that has that many real life touches kind of like we were talking about with the first game which was milk inside a bag the like you need to have some sort of experience or some sort of real life thing grounding what's going on here in order to sell it so like i was wondering as i was playing this like man did this person work in a convenience store or like mm-hmm. you know like, big time yeah like because like i mean there's a there's a book we actually talked about it in the last episode called convenience store woman by sayaka murata and like i love that book and i love that author but that was one where like when you read that book you're like this person definitely worked in a convenience store for like the exact same amount of time as the person in this book right and then you look it up and it's like yes that is true this person worked at a convenience (laughs) store for like 17 years or something and it's like that reality or that being able to to uh convincingly sell a real experience or an experience as real is such an asset to this kind of mundane horror because it makes it feel real. It gets under the player's skin and then it opens the door to subverting that and creating really, really intense like horror and terror, which I think is awesome. And I think this game does that and it's fucking great. The whole end sequence in this game is fucking great. It's got a hilarious PS2 style last puzzle. That's really difficult. Um, I loved okay. it. Okay, look, I loved it. I didn't think it was that difficult. I actually had to look up 
how to progress before that point because um I missed the wrench on the ground. I kept being like, why is oh, this yeah. air conditioning unit? I know there's something here because I couldn't. I spent like 20 minutes being like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, and then I had to look it up and I was like, oh, I just didn't, I didn't see that on the ground. And then I saw it like the they they were like, here's a link to like where I explained the TV puzzle just in case you're having trouble with that only. But when I got to that point, I just like immediately figured like, yeah. you know, once I figured out, it's like, OK, you have to like do the you have to do a correct sequence. I was like, well, it has to tell you what that sequence is somewhere. And there's so many TVs. So naturally, I just went to the security cameras because I spent a lot of time on the security cameras. I just like if I didn't have a job function to do. Yeah. Like that your manager leaves you that tells you to do. And there wasn't like a customer in there I had to wait on. I just like would get on the camera for a bit just to make sure I wasn't supposed to do that to like trigger something. Yeah. So my brain just automatically went to like check the camera and I was like, there he is. This little boy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's great. It's all fairly obtuse. Like you may get stuck not for a long time or not for a super crazy, you know, to a crazy extent or something, but you might get stuck a little bit multiple times throughout the game. And once again, I really enjoyed it. It brought me back to like playing an obtuse PS2 horror game, something like Siren, where, you know, and Siren is way more obtuse and way more difficult and much, much, much longer this game. So it's not even a fair comparison, but it has a little bit of that flavor. And once again, similar to Anatomy, it's a distillation of that idea and those flavors, you know, distilling it down mm-hmm. into just the raw essence and saying, okay, here's a 30, 40 ish minute game. You can play it in one sitting. Uh, it's all those ideas, but condensed and yeah, it's, it's fucking great. Um, I loved it. I'm really excited to check out this, um, this artist's work. I bought a couple more games of theirs cause they're all super cheap. And one of them is like their big long form game. I think it's the one called Hanako. Um, I'm excited to check that out. It's supposed to be closer to like five hour game. And oh, I'm curious okay. to see how these ideas and, uh, and techniques kind of play out over a longer game. But mm-hmm. in this game, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was great. And I would love to see more stuff that's like explicitly like, filmic i guess like if they were making 90 minute games that had kind of a similar pace and feel to a film i think that would be a real banger and maybe they already are i don't know they have so many games (laughs) i've just played this one and i bought a couple more so i'm gonna check it out and report back but i was psyched i love this game i thought it was great yeah i guess the last point i've got to make is back to how you were talking about how well you know most of these games anyway are games like these like are effective at what they do I think it's really interesting how like all these games are so effective at like making your brain kind of like do the work and they and they look the way they do like none of these are I guess what you would call it like they're not like high fidelity games they're all by design very lo-fi or extremely lo-fi depending on what you're playing and how they all are so much better at creating horror than literally any game that's modern (laughs) and maybe a lot of maybe a lot of that's just due to how like big teams are controlled by a bigger corporation or whatever and the creative lead is always just like basically a normal motherfucker 
you know, like maybe they just they can't. They're just here to make a shiny product. And it's it's just kind of the nature of things that, you know, smaller create like smaller teams or individual creators kind of have to rely on easier to to create games that are 8 bit or 16 bit or they're, you know, PS1 style or or whatever, but it seems to me where gaming is going it's actually getting easier to make like insane looking video games on your own, but every but it's like it's still clear that this pocket of like visual style is maybe I'd argue the most effective route in creating like a just kind of like a dreary game that kind of slowly builds up to something actually scary in a real yeah. meaningful way. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's, it's the magic of short form horror. Like it's, you know, if you take a short story, like I said, it always pivots around one good idea. It has to be punchy and quick. It has to get in and get out. You don't have the time and the space to put an exposition dump or a stupid twist or something like that. Like, you just don't have the ability to make the mistakes that a longer work can. And I think, yeah, with these shorter lo-fi games, they have to inherently rely more on, you know, suggesting rather than showing. They have to rely more on things like sound design and um, good blocking and placement and direction of scenes because they can't just overwhelm the player with things that look good. And yeah, the short form is always great too. You just don't get to that point where you have exposition dump after exposition dump or you know, yeah. boring scenes of dialogue that just have no purpose. You really just have to stick to the things that are important to the plot. like. I think it's interesting with all these games that I would describe all of them as slow or slow burns, but it's all crammed within such a small amount of time that you realize like the pacing is actually very well done. The direction is well done and everything is placed like exactly where it needs to be. It's super impressive to me. Yeah. I mean, slow burn still has to be paced well. Like if yeah. it's, if it's slow burn and not paced well, then it's boring. It's just, yeah. it's just as, it's just as boring as like a game that's seven hours long with two hours of content, you know, like right. it's, pacing is important regardless of length. I, you know, I'd say, which is, you know, you can talk about house in the woods. Like if you end up in the woods for half an hour, like you're fucked, that game's ruined for you. Yeah. Like, time you get to that house, you are not going to be into it. Cause I found that house in like two and a half minutes max. Like I got, yeah. There. So, you know, pacing, very important. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that's everything I wanted to say about these games besides that everyone okay. should fucking play them because uh, mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. great. And like I said, I think some of these are, are really amazing. And definitely if people are feeling like I'm not getting enough of this or that in horror right now, you got to check out these games, man. It's right in front of you. There it is. It rocks. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to coordinate uh, some other version of the thing we did last year. Little more intent this time yeah last year duck in the discord did a kind of weekly indie game check-in thing for october where it was like randomly selected indie games and it was fun to check out and and play along but yeah maybe maybe uh evolve it a little bit i'd love to tie the show into it too if we can work it out but it's a little bit harder now it's not weekly that was uh yeah i had a i had the beginning of a very hard year when that whole thing started yeah for sure every idea i had kind of went to this went to the wayside so dude life comes at you fast it's the real survival horror right there what's the smash mouth song the hits start coming and they don't stop coming (laughs) big wheel keep on turning proud mary 
keep on burning. Uh, Big Willie. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> 